0: That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued
2: Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com.
2: Welcome to another edition of Tag the Role. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, colleague and friend, Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you doing today, man?
1: It's been a minute. I, I'm glad to be back. <laughs> I think we got a lot of our talking out on that draft live stream show, which still, uh, a couple weeks later, I have to thank everyone. That uh, feels that,
2: like forever It well feels like, <laughs> it, like if, so.
1: yeah, it, for, to me, it feels like years ago, but the fact that we were able to do that and had surplus of hundred people that were interested in hearing us give live thoughts and reactions. Uh, that was incredible. Uh, so definitely something that I'm thankful for personally. I know we spoke about it and, and you were as well. So just want to give a quick thanks to everyone who participated and obviously our guests, Ben and PD, TKR, masterful job running the entire show, but there that was right.
2: awesome. Yeah, no, it was just an, an absolute blast. And again, thank you to everyone who came out. That was, uh, I think both of us were really surprised with how many came out? Not that I was I, we do, I, but like I was like when I saw like the total sh- like we were streaming still at like 2 a.m. We had like one hundred ninety people and I was like, what, 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 fuck? but yeah, no. So again, thank you guys. Um, and we're really excited to dive into twenty twenty three. We have a lot of exciting plans and, and ideas popping up. Um, and I think it I mean, we, we can't start twenty twenty three without talking about Victor Wimbignano first which is what we're here to do. Um, and I think in a way that may turn some people off. Unfortunately, we are not here to just do the, uh, the rah-rah Victor is going to be the next LeBron uh, level prospect. Cause I, I think part of the reason we really want to do this is because I've seen a lot of that and I find it a little bit uh, worrisome, like, and I, that's not to be unfair to, to Victor Wambuiano, but it's but more to be fair to him. Like we cannot project a LeBron level uh, a LeBron level prospect on somebody just like that. Um, so Jake, I guess I'll turn it over to you. Where do you want to get started with this?
1: I want to start with Vic. I want to start on the de- defensive side of the ball because in my initial viewing of it, it's, and I will say it is so hard. Like I, I did it as well. The first time you watch him, your brain doesn't comprehend what's going on. It's so hard to stay grounded and level-headed and hold him to like a traditional scouting lens where you're constantly evaluating what the strengths and the weaknesses are because one his margin for error is insane and off the charts because of how big he is and the, how mm-hmm. fluid and the movement skills and his flashes are potentially the most tantalizing flashes I've ever seen in terms of the offensive side of the ball. When you see a seven four guy hit a, a sidestep three, that's going to stay in your brain for much longer than any other top prospect doing top prospecty thing. So with Vic, I, even in FIBA initially last summer, I found it pretty hard to just not sit in awe at, at the what you're watching and we can call it the, uh, the experience uh, we can say with that being said, going back and now watching it, I think there, when you it's his draft year, uh, we need to start evaluating him and his pros and cons as a prospect, not just a creative player who we've never seen before, but it's all much more difficult because we haven't seen this guy before. I think Chet and Mobley coming in prior years, make this makes this a tad bit easier, but Wemby's a whole different animal, let's start with the defense because that's where I, initially infatuated and remain wildly optimistic about his ability and overall impact
2: yeah i mean just straight up in terms of tools um it he's not like an elite accelerator but it just doesn't matter because of how like once he does get going uh even like close to full speed he covers ground like he can cover the court in like four strides it's insane um what I think is probably the biggest standout for me, obviously, like yes, he's seven four and has a massive wingspan, but his lateral mobility is really impressive for his size, like extremely That's impressive. Yeah. Like, um, they were pretty comfortable switching with him at times. Um, and again, like you're talking about, I think the footwork and technique, just in general, has a long way to go. Um, but in general, like it's not bad, and and especially like you're mentioning, considering what his his uh his measurables are and what his athleticism is on the court and just his general instincts and court awareness, like. Pretty fucking impressive, man. Um, like, there's a block. Uh, I think you clipped it yesterday from the Dijon game, the first Dijon game, where he just, like, absolutely erases something on a peel back. Um, like, again, I just think, I, I don't know. I'm interested to hear some of your your thoughts, and we can dive a little bit deeper on what, um, you know, some more of what the uh, athletic traits are. But, I mean, he he really does stand out defensively.
1: It's the ground coverage that, that's initially what stands out to me. Is just and how distraught other players are at his ability to get to spots in the court because they've never seen anyone else that's do a great it. way to
2: put it. Yeah,
1: it's that like players think they have these windows because throughout their entire basketball lives, no one has ever presented a counter and closed space that quickly they're used to like this perception of i have this amount of space i'm gonna get this pull-up off i'm gonna get this catch and shoot off i can sneak in this scoop finish and then there's the seven foot 17 year old 18 year old saying or something four teenager saying oh no you can't like wh- what do you think this is and and i think that's just the that's where i still remain <laughs> like my brain just goes off way off the rails is that i've never seen such counters like this at a defensive level where just the windows that are normally available to offensive players to punish you and it's not just when he's on the ball when he's on the ball you mentioned and I do want to hit on even more his lateral mobility and his comfort switching on the guards they were switching him on to everyone and like a lot of times you'll see pull up guards be able to get like because the defender is so conscious about them getting a blow by so you'll see them put their hands down and all the time where we see guards just kill switches with pull-ups you can't do that he even if he's not and I do think his instincts are pretty good yeah just the sheer massiveness of his arms and his length and just he's not slow by any means so all those things combined like he's going to close your window so quickly and if not block it alter it at least to make that tough if you want to drive he's comfortable sliding with you he can take bumps if you're a bigger slashing wing that tries to get into his chest and Similar how we talk about Chet, and I added this tweet about we noted all year the cycle of when Chet gets bumped, his ability to stay vertical and still recover and get to the apex before you two and you do and contest. So impressive. Vic is taller than Chet by like three inches. No, I, I mean, Vic's or like, taller than
2: everybody. but yeah. <laughs> Like two and a half
1: inches. So so take someone like Chet, and, and Chet is so technically sound, and maybe Vic is slightly behind there, but by no means is it that big of a gap where it disqualifies his overall height and size advantage Vic is still engulfing dudes even after taking a first bump so that was probably what i was impressed with and especially when switching on but i do want to hit on his ability to play like drop coverage and even get to like the level and play in that in a higher drop that uh we saw teams trying to execute in like the postseason
2: yeah no for sure i mean i think that's where i Um, not that you're trying to make a direct comparison, but I do think like my biggest thing is like, there's definitely a lot more that needs to be wrapped up. And again, like part of it, he was like 17, 18 playing uh, pro league this last year. So of course he's going to be a a little bit behind technique wise. Like, I think like there are definitely times where like, he's pretty, uh, I I don't want to say averse to using, uh, to, to be an ambidextrous shot blocker, but like he likes to really go for a strong hand more. And I think like there are times where like, something that could be easily erased at the rim ends up being like, you know, an easier look for somebody because he's trying to do it like little things like that. But like overall, I mean, where are you at with it?
1: I think it's, it's really tough to develop. And I think this is, can be said about all levels of youth basketball. And I think it's something that I'm continuously harboring on. It's finding the sweet spot between relying on counters so heavily at an early age, but then also never having to use counters until it's too late and then you're too far behind the eight ball to develop them. And Vic, just because of how big he is, he's never had to block anything with his left hand. Like, it, when 16-year-old when 16, when 16 year old Wemby is playing against other 16-year-olds or even a 17-year-old playing in the U19, those issues aren't really there. I think you saw them much more often in the Pro League and in the Euro League when he was uh, playing with Asvel. But I do want to be a little bit patient as he continues to kind of refine the edges. Yeah. No, yeah, think, I'm just saying in terms oh, oh, of like, I'm not, when, when
2: you're talking about... You have like, to nitpick somewhere. People, yeah, because yeah. people are yeah. going to like be like, well... He's going to be a much better defensive prospect than Chet, and I think like the ceiling is definitely there. But in terms of what the floor is right now, like Chet's still just on a different level.
1: Yeah, and I think Chet, um, Chet was really special technically and his feel. Like I, and I think that was something we tried. I know that was something I wrote about in like December. It was just how polished he was, and I think I think Steve Jones Jr. had a tweet about this in Summer League, just how his feel and drop jumps off the page immediately, like knowing when to stun, knowing where to be at the right time, knowing how to simultaneously play both. And the thing with Vic is that even if it's not consciously doing both, he is so capable because of his short space, the ability just close spaces down. There was a clip in FIBA of him cutting off his drive and then turning around simultaneously and blocking the shot without getting any tag. Like there were no tags from his teammates, no other rotations. It was him simultaneously stopping two different players within a span of like a second so even if the technical stuff and yes, like there is there is room for it to improve. I still think I think the floor is still like insanely, oh, insanely yeah, sure. 100%. high. And, and that's why I did want to start with the defense because like this is where I'm comfortable gushing it is that his ability to just be huge, but not just be huge, be versatile, guard the perimeter, slide with guards. Um, like you could I'm like, my thing was and I sent out this tweet when I'm watching. it was like, how do you go about how do you go about, like, how do you punish him? Where do you get him in a place where it's uncomfortable? And and, like, you don't want to enable him as a roamer because like, I mean, him as a weak side shot blocker and just even as a help side defender, splitting the difference, his ability to close out and and alter jump shots on kickouts is insane. Mm -hmm. But again, if you put him in pick and roll, we can switch that and stay solid. If I have a guard that I'm comfortable with guarding up I, if you have a pull-up shooter, I can throw him at the level and I'm comfortable that he's going to close off your window. If you do have a lob threat and we're willing to give up the mid-range, I'm also comfortable, even if he's not uber-polished there, just because of how big and mobile he is, I'm comfortable playing him in a drop. And the fact that even if he's not reading it to the precise and perfect manner, he's still going to be able to alter your floater because he's just huge. Um, so where, where would you try to attack him is there a place on the floor where you felt he was a little bit vulnerable
2: uh that's a good question i do think he gets caught with uh with back screens a lot um like but again that's like something that's going to take time like i think like yeah um I would say right now he has a solid feel for the game, but not a not like a good to great one, in my opinion. Like, I think especially – like I actually think his offensive feel probably a little bit better than his defensive feel. Like, I think he, like, moves the ball pretty well. Sees I like well the passing,
1: which uh, yeah, I'm excited yeah. to talk about that.
2: Um, but defensively, yeah. Like, I think part of it, too, can just be, like, he's so honed in on trying to make a play that he just maybe doesn't see some things coming. But, again, that's going to be stuff, like – I think this is very much, like, if I'm a coach, the first thing I'm going to do is bring up, like – and a lot of it's gonna depend on other personnel but like okay i'm gonna throw out staggered screens like four four feet after half court and see what Mm -hmm. happens like yes you can cover a shit ton of ground but okay we'll get you moving in space and see what happens like i feel like that would be an an immediate pro point but even then like you're mentioning like okay cool (laughs) he covers ground incredibly well like i do think like there's going to be a a, a lot like i think i want to be careful with this because a lot like he still has an entire other year of development before we're getting to actually talk about his <laughs> as, as being a pro which is crazy but like that's the kind of stuff i do want to see like change up this year you know how does that look and i also think it's worth noting too especially at, at least like playing with Asvel like they played him at the four a lot defensively i was like, that's he that's really does not play what I I where i was going and i think that's kind of like it's kind of a lot like we talked about with chet like That's where you're getting the most out of him. And I do want to see more, like, again, in time, you know, playing more at the five, playing as a a solo drop coverage guy, because I do think, like, a lot of him was being optimized as a roamer, but he's so good at it, like, that it makes sense. Like, um, so there will be interesting things to see play out like that. Um, But again, I'm, I'm trying to think what else defensively. Like, I think... In some ways using his switchability against him just in terms of actually pulling him out and not like, like again like always not to say quote unquote targeting him but targeting the defense and just trying to create things on the back end with um what is it called i'm trying to remember what the there's a term for using two passes to replicate one that i can't remember that it's really smart and somebody's used it before me um, but basically that, like Chris, the Suns did that to the Bucks a ton before the Bucks stopped switching everything two years ago in the finals. How the fuck was that two years ago? Um, <laughs> but like, I think, yeah, like that's that's kind of some of the stuff that I'm, I'm going to see. But again, like especially when you're looking at other teams like, well, they probably it's just you're, you're that creates something that already makes it so that the, the offense has to kind of go out of their way to do other shit. So, yeah, um, it's it, he's definitely a big problem in terms of trying to figure that stuff out.
1: Yeah, it, it's really fascinating. I, I don't know where and obviously I'm not an NBA X's and those minds So I'm, there are people way, way, way more qualified on this to speak on it. But just from a scouting perspective, what thing about his strengths and weaknesses, I think I agree with you in, in trying to. You know, if they are going to switch everything, I think you just impose your typical switch counters. Every team has their preferred, their preferred ways of going about that. I think obviously he's different in many senses, but if they're just going to switch, um, I, I think your uh, your problems are a little bit similar. If you're not going to switch, I think testing that movement, like you said, like oh, you can cover ground really well. Like let's see how how you can cover this, and just constantly testing him, and because the mobility. I think the less he has to move, the better, like he can go two strides, but it's not necessarily perfect technique that where if you're turning him, like he can open up his hips, but again, he's going to leave some window for you to capitalize on. Like when, if he's just sliding in a straight line and then he can beat you to the spot, you're absolutely cooked. But I think trying to get him to change directions as much as possible, forcing him to navigate screens, also forcing him to make reads. Like I would, if he is yeah. going to be a roamer. Uh, something that I would really look to implement is like use those backside counters uh, as a pick and roll like use those weak side counters um whether that's like even just flipping spots and just exchanging on the weak side then we can even talk about sitting setting like backside flare screens as you talked about that he already has trouble like navigating. I just think you have to test him. And the thing with him is like you're going to have to consciously test him. If you let him just stick to the script, you're I don't even what do you do? There's nothing to do. Um, I think forcing him to make decisions is probably going to be a major point of emphasis. But again, like the fact that a seven, four guy from day one, like as, and given the floor spacing and ber- both vertically and horizontally as a loud threat and catch and shoot shooter that he's going to give you the fact that from day one, he's going to make opposing offenses go through this thought process of like, how do we get around his sheer presence on the floor? That's the game breaking part to me. Like, it's not the offense flashes. It's this.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, a lot gets made out of the, the offense. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but more just like, I think a lot gets pointed at like, oh, well, look at the offense. Like, so often it's the dunks and the him shooting stuff off movement, which we will talk about. But like to me, like you're mentioning, it's kind of like our entire theme of I feel like a lot of this pot we may as well just call it ground the ground coverage podcast because that's 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 what it is for us. I think a lot of this in terms of how we evaluate and view defense, especially at the four and five spot, is how you can cover ground, how you can play in space, and how you can play in multiple coverages. And that's what Victor brings while also being the biggest dude who's going to be in the NBA. Um, so yeah, that's that's where we're at. Like you want yeah, I mean, no, it's just that in
1: itself. Like I feel like that can kind of get lost and like it's not as sexy, it's not as fun to talk about, but that's the stuff that, to me, is generational and and it's super exciting. I think like this incoming. I've we've I've talked about it often. I don't think we've talked about it on the pod, but getting guys like Mobley and you, it's the comparisons and the flashbacks are going to be inevitable, and they're going to get so tiresome. But it, like this, getting three guys three years in a row with Mobley, Chet, and that Wemby. It's so damn fun. Like you can play these guys at the four or five; they're interchangeable. They can and in- take on some offensive responsibility. We can see teams experiment with different schemes just because of their mobility, while without giving up rim protection. It's just fascinating to see this type of diversity in the game, and I feel like he's kind of pioneering that. But it doesn't get talked about enough in comparison to the other side of the ball.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Do you want to transition and talk about the other? Yeah. Side of the ball? yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the offense. Um. OK, well, let's go through the positives first and not, not say there's negatives, but more just like let's talk about the things that really stand out. Um, I clip stuff from this. I believe you did as well. Like he is a legit movement shooter at a size or I should say there are flashes of legit movement shooting. Like, he's going to
1: take he's going to take them.
2: Yeah, no, you know, exactly. Like he's doing stuff off flares, off pin downs. Like it's not just like small, like replacements in the corner, like he's doing like legit stuff. Um, coming off of a couple strides, squaring up, catching, and like his release is very good. Um, it's not slow, in my opinion. And also, just the release point is so high that um, so high. <laughs> it's very difficult to actually contest it. Um, I mean, where are you at with him as a shooter? Because I do think like that is one of the first things to hit on for sure.
1: I, I think the percentages have been talked about for a while now. I saw so it was in my replies talking about, I thought, I thought Wemby was supposed to be able to shoot. Like, dude, this is this is like, I, I want to see the same energy applied to people in their high school, senior years. Cause whatever. Um, I, I think the difficulty, he takes some bad shots and we're going to talk about that, but those are more in the mid range and they're more off the dribble in terms of threes. Like I love his aggressiveness and you, a lot of times the one thing with big man shooters is that they just don't take them as much as they should. And like, there'll be times where they're swung the ball or even put into an action and they're given three, four feet of space and they just don't shoot it. And I don't feel that with Wendy a lot. Like I feel like whenever he has time and space to get it up, he gets it up, um, which is big. And I think a lot of the offensive stuff, it needs to be taken into account with the defensive flexibility and impact that he's gonna provide you. So like at the very minimum, if we're gonna talk about someone who's going to floor sp- floor space, which I believe he will, uh, we'll see where the percentages that net out. And I, that is one thing I'm definitely tracking, but in terms of his mechanics, his versatility, his volume. I, I like all of those aspects of his shooting, which are very important to uh, for a prospect. And when you're projecting forward and the lob catching, I also want to talk about that ridiculous lob radius, like uh, you put it anywhere and he's going to get it. So I think in terms of being a play finisher, but a very valuable one and sort of a scalable off- off- offensive superstar, which on the other side of the floor, you're not bleeding anything. He's covering up everything that you're doing and bolstering that side of the court. And then you can play him alongside anyone. Like, the the idea is I think he's just so perfect for a creator that you might not necessarily be able to get away with in, like, the postseason or even the regular season in terms of defensive viability because they just bleed so much. But then you have this guy that not only cleans up for everything on the defensive end, but then complements Him or multiple creators exceptionally well as a shooter and floors as and lob catchers. Like that was my initial
2: takeaways on the offense. I think you bring up bring up a lot of great points. I think, like you mentioned, um, I'll be frank, I didn't even look up the percentages because I don't care. Um, like um, obviously I I am gonna care in in time, but I think right (laughs) now it's more just like you mentioned, he's not a hesitant shooter. He's doing it off multiple actions and it looks good. So I sound very much like an old school scout, but like I think that really matters to me. Just the fact that there isn't hesitation, especially for somebody his size, and that matters a ton. Um, like you mentioned as well, like it's not, it seems like I mean, we talk about guys who are like seven foot one or seven foot, and you know, there are guys that size who like, yeah, they have lob radius, but like they're a ways to negate it a little bit. It'll be different with Victor, like. You just add that little bit of extra height. I should, I mean a little bit, but it adds a lot. Because just adding three inches in height and, and whatever in wingspan drastically changes court dimensions. Um, it's like so the, the best this is like the worst analogy of all time. When I was a kid, we moved into a new house when I was like, I think 16. And my dad, we wanted to get a new TV. We never splurged on a TV as a family before, right? So we went to Best Buy we saw a 60 inch TV. My dad's like, what do you think about that one? I'm like, that's cool. But I also saw that there was a 72 inch TV. And I was like, why would you get that one? And my dad's like, "We'll check the price tag. 72 inch TV was like four times the price. It was 60 inch. I'm like, dad, 12 extra inches. How does that make sense? He's like, well, it's not just 12 inches that this also, this, this sounds terrible. Now that I think about it, but it's not just that, like you're, th- you're talking about the entire square footage of it and it changing. Same thing talking about Victor, like, you're just talking about somebody who really just so drastically changes things because of like, like you're mentioning that little, okay. Guys have seen, even if you're not seeing it every game, like you've seen guys who are seven feet tall playing in games. Like yeah. that's a thing. I've never seen somebody seven foot four who can move like that before. Like that totally changes the, the game. So it's again, like offensively. Yeah. And he's a, he's a solid leaper too. Like he doesn't have to load mm-hmm. up. He jumps pretty smoothly. He's not going to like get his head above the rim. Well, he's going to have his head above the rim, but like, he you also know, barely like has to the, jump
1: like he does. It, he barely has to jump. I, I, it's so mind breaking uh, on how big he is on the court. And, and we can say it and it sounds so elementary and my now un- really nuanced. One, promise. Yeah. <laughs> but like there are clips of him catching lobs, and you're just like, I, I've never seen things like that before. And that's where it, it's still ridiculously tantalizing maybe not it's not a seven foot four guy hitting a pull-up jumper which we're gonna talk about soon but i like him as a play finisher is wild um whether it be as a role man as a cutter in the dunker spot himself he you throw the ball anywhere remotely close to the rim he's gonna go and get it and i think for the players as i mentioned that he is gonna lift up and insulate on the other side of the floor it's a perfect compliment uh, from a team building standpoint, it's just an absolute cheat code of a chess piece to have because there's not one player that he can't both play alongside of and likely boost their value on offense. And he does the same thing on defense. So like, it's just a ridiculous team building piece to have. And that's kind of where my mind is And just the players he can play alongside and lift up on both sides of the ball. It makes perfect sense. And they go hand in hand. So, like, the idea of building around Victor still gives you so much freedom to do whatever you want because he doesn't get in anyone's way. He only makes their life easier on both sides of the floor.
2: Yeah, I think you're bringing up a lot of great points. Like, And it's kind of getting at what we've been trying to say um, throughout the podcast. We'll tiptoeing on eggshells a little bit. Um, I think to us what makes Victor such a special prospect is – and, you know, this is something we've harped about just in terms of philosophy in general, like, um, you know, it's becoming so much more about two way play, like no shit. But like, just think about it. How many offensive and defensive specialists like truly exist anymore? like it's a lot less of that and becoming much more of you have to be impactful on both sides. Otherwise, you're going to get targeted and there's going to be a way to remove you off the court, especially once it matters. Like, I think you can get away with it during the regular season. There are some guys who are just good enough to make it work in the playoffs, but um, it tends to be much more about being able to be impactful on both ends without being negative and having multiple ways to play the game. With Victor, like you're mentioning, part of what makes it special is, okay, in the theory, like, okay, this guy becomes somebody who can shoot off movement, um, who can be a dynamic screener. Um, that's something that needs work. But it's just in terms of, like, he, he's one of the guys who, because of what he brings as a finisher, both inside and outside the arc, um he is going to be a dynamic screener even though he sucks at screening right now uh (laughs) because he's just like you can't really just leave him open uh either on the roll or on the pop so that's gonna be interesting to see but that's where it gets into other stuff because okay what happens if you run him off the line um is a great question right now like i think of course that's a question that he's not gonna have to answer for a while i think um you know as the shooting continues to progress because i do think that's like going to be his biggest calling card on offense uh, outside of being a play finisher. But I think where you and I are coming at this from is, okay, what is happening though? If he does get run off the line, or if teams just say, screw it, we're going to let you shoot, um, which I do think he's going to be good enough of a shooter that that's not a thing. But again, okay, what happens if he gets run off the line? Where are you at with that right now? What are you? what's kind of your mentality with that?
1: I think I trust the one will pull up in time. Like if he's truly, if they're truly selling out, but I do think this is something that's, it's evident with these taller, lankier big men is how it's really tough when your center of gravity is that high to just absorb contact and keep on chugging. Like it's really difficult. And I think whether that's your primary defender staying on your hip and giving you a little bump, whether that's the guy one pass away, digging and making your life difficult. It's hard. Um, And I think this is stuff that Wemby faces in the self-creation, which is what we're kind of getting at is in almost entirely flash based rather than being a reasonable Avenue of offense, which again is totally fine. The guy that I described is still by far and away the number one player in the class to me um, with the defensive impact, the shooting, the play finishing. And, flashes of being able to attack a closeout and get to a pull-up if you want to space him by no means do you need to be one of the world's best defenders and then be uh, budget kevin durant to like net the value and hype or part of the hype that he's getting i just have an issue of like how he's being framed and yes i do think he's a generational prospect because i've never seen anything like him before but he's just generational for different reasons like i i the pull-up shooting and self-creation when you watch in games like yeah there are some where he makes them and they're extremely tough there are also a lot more possessions where he gets stonewalled and the frame is an issue and he gets bumped off his spot and he takes a ill-advised jump shot like I think feeding Victor in the mid post room to iso is a score it's probably not how I'd use him it's probably not the best way to reap his value on the offensive side of the ball am I cool with him experimenting a little bit absolutely and is it something I want to monitor yeah But I I think where he reaps value, especially from day one, as this stuff continues to grow and as he continues to get more comfortable with his body and his counters, when he does put the ball on the floor, it's not necessarily as a self creator.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like um, part of the reason I wanted to bring up the you know attack and closeouts is like you mentioned, I I am not super confident in that in that right now. It's not even that his handles bad or that he can't get to the rim, but I just think they're when you have to dribble that high there are legitimate barriers to you actually getting to the rim um and like you mentioned i think a lot of it turns into yes there's some intriguing face-up stuff but like you're gonna have to shoot so freaking well for it to, to not that it won't matter but for it to matter enough to be like a legit viable creator so i think to me i'm not i think we're again we're in the same boat of like not really viewing him necessarily as a creator um, more as somebody who's going to fit in the flow of an offense but again you know, who knows necessarily what happens this year in his trajectory and, and and growth pattern, but that's just kind of where we're at right now. Um, I do want to say too, we had mentioned this earlier. Um, I don't think he's like uh I, I kind of want to say again, not 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 in the same vein, or I, I should say not a one-to-one comp, but in the same vein of kind of like how I view like view Dyson as a passer this year. Like he's somebody who I think makes the right reads and will move the ball well. Um obviously Dyson different level of of playmaker, but just in terms of, you know, at his position, I think I view Victor as somebody who like, will see the right plays, move the ball correctly. Not somebody who I think is doing anything with manipulation or um, really to shift the defense more, just making the right pass. And that's still valuable. Um, But again, that's just another thing of not saying that there's barriers to his creation, but like, that's just kind of where it's at right now.
1: Yeah. But I don't think it, I don't want to say, I don't think it matters, but I think offensive teams can get really creative with him, as you said, especially oh, yeah, with definitely. the movements So, you know, like, you send him into space. I don't – he's also so big that I do think, like, Chet, it was – if you put a small guy on Chet, you don't really want to post him. Vic is huge. Like, I don't think you can just – I think the counter is a little bit less difficult that you're just like, oh, we'll just put a small on him. You still won't have success in the post. I'm kind of hard-pressed to think that 7-4 Wemby – isn't like hitting a post fade or post hook over a six, three guy. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that'd be my preferred counter right away, but I don't think that's necessarily an easy low hanging fruit solution for the defense. Like you can put him in screening actions. You're going to force that. He's going to be a ridiculous lob threat play him in the dunker spot. You can kind of play him anywhere on the floor. It's just, I think the idea that you're going to play through him, I think you can play through his impact and you can play through his I'm trying to find the right word for it. It's like it's utilizing him to open up actions for other players, but you're not necessarily relying on him to actually do the creating. It's like, you're using his gravity and his impact to fuel your offense without really putting him in a position where he needs to take a post entry, like post up in the mid in from 15 away and hit a post fade. Like it's not something I'm particularly interested, not really particularly interested in isolating him on the perimeter either. And again, still one year away from his draft year. Like, he has a lot to go and a lot of NBA basketball ahead of him. It's just at this stage in the game right now. I think, you know, he's getting pitched as like KD on one side of the ball, go Gobert on the other. And like only one of those things is really true. And we should be focusing on the, like seeing some guy who can kind of replicate the value of Gobert and even take it to another level. Like that's incredibly exciting to me. That's what I want to talk about. Um, we can talk about the offense and the, the flashes and how we can best utilize them where I think, I think you can maybe, you know, if you're really going to run him off the line hard, you can get to a one-drill pull-up and those tough shot-making flashes can be put to use in spurts. This is not my preferred avenue of offense, especially for a guy like him.
2: Yeah, I think we're in the same boat with that. Um, was there anything else you want to hit on with him?
1: Do you want to talk um, I want to talk about fits, like potential fits. I, I know it's looking really far ahead. Okay. Did you have any young cores in mind? Again, we talked... We, we kind of spoke on... His ability to play with anyone and everyone. Um, I wanted to see if you had any special young cores that you think could really uh, turn something
2: special. Wow. Okay. Um, frankly, I had not thought about this yet. Um, like someone's gonna get this player.
1: Um, like he, he's, he's gonna be twenty twenty three. I think he goes number one. And, um. It's it's an interesting point in the NBA now because a lot of these teams, especially the ones that were drafting in uh, the like first, second, third, fourth, fifth uh, this year, are starting to kind of accumulate their young assets, and I think we could kind of see a change in the guards coming soon, especially in somewhere like the East. But is there anywhere that yeah you would absolutely love to see him
2: particularly? That's a great question, man. I. I think what's so interesting about him is like it's hard for me to envision him in the NBA in some ways, what his role is gonna look like and how he's gonna fit. Um, not in a bad way, just more like I maybe I'm not being inventive enough in my head, but um I mean, I'm just trying to think of teams that I think will be in the bottom five next year. Like I mean, the Spurs are interestingly fleshed out. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you like can you imagine him and Devin Vassell playing defense together? That'd be very fun. <laughs> Yeah. Um good luck. But then again, I'm. I'm just. I, I think we're gonna get a lot of answers about their team build this year. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. But, um, Indiana, like I, I, don't know. I mean, pairing him with with Tyrese would be pretty insane uh, in terms of just an in, actual like. One Indiana's,
1: yeah, eh, they're like the least fun one of yeah yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, honestly, I don't wish that on Victor either. But, uh, I mean. I don't think Orlando is going to be good enough to be in the bottom five this year. For being honest, I think Orlando's going to take I, a pretty good step this year.
1: I, I agree with you, which is unfortunate because that that front court would just become absolutely be insane. insane. Who are you scoring? Um, on? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, Detroit was one that I think they're probably. I think they could definitely be a little bit too good and pry themselves into the playoff. they like play in race. I mean. But like that, I know they just got Duran, but we just talked about how you can play him alongside Durin. You already have two creators in and Caden Ivy. I think that things would sort of get really spicy if somehow they bought it. That him would out.
2: be insane. Him and Duran together would be like, man. And part of what I like about that too is I don't think, like frankly, I think Durin's showing a lot more as a passer that I'm excited about in terms of what he can do as like a post hub and whatnot and uh, running DHOs and where I'm and I, that's that's one thing anyone hit. I'm not super intrigued by Victor as a DHO guy right now. I think he has a long way to go there. Um, in terms of like not that he was asked to do that very often, but you know, in terms of becoming a uh more as like a screener who is handling the ball. Um I, w- I think I want to see a lot more from that, um, and more growth in that regard. But that's what makes him exciting about playing alongside Durin. Like I think you could have them together and still get the most out of one another without having crazy overlap. Um except where it matters on defense. Uh, so that would be very fun, uh, especially because I think, like, again, like I think Victor's going to be a good enough shooter where you have to actually care about it. Um, so that one is interesting to me. The other – I mean, what other ones are there, really? Like, I don't even – I don't want to go to OKC, for being honest. Um, no. I'm very, very frustrated with the OKC situation. This is nothing against OKC fans. I am frustrated about people going at me for saying that Isaiah is a good defender. Um, That was just an interesting time on Twitter. Um, First of all, I'm always positive. Second of all, good, just there's different meanings of good. Um, And also, in the right role, that man is a quality defender. Should I I have said average to slightly above instead of good? (laughs) Sure. But to me, good is average to slightly above. So, um, yeah, point being. What I mean? How would you feel about? that? I think what's weird for me with OKC is I just don't really know how to view everything.
1: Yeah, no, I I think uh, SGA thing is tough. I, I, whatever. I don't I don't want to spend too much time talking about OKC because um, there's a lot of moving pieces right now. I can I throw a dark horse at you. Uh, yeah. That could that isn't Brooklyn because I don't know what Brooklyn's doing. Um, the Charlotte Hornets.
2: You think the Hornets are going to be bad enough?
1: I don't know if they're going to be bad enough. I I just think like you're. I'm looking at the East and your every team's always theoretically an injury way. May I interest you in Lamelo Wemby pairing? I think that is pretty fun enough in itself. I don't know if the Hornets are going to be that bad enough. I I, I don't hope yeah,
2: I personally would doubt Hornets are that bad, especially with Steve Clifford coming in now because. As you know, Steve Clifford does not play developing players like that, but I do think that actually will be a change. Um, we'll see. TBD. If if there is not any change in Steve Clifford's coaching style, I'm going to be pissed that they brought him back, for being frank, um, even if I'm already, like, super on that already. I just don't know who else is going to be down there, you know?
1: Yeah, th- That's, that's this is why I wanted to pose the question, is that it's really interesting. Like, as I said, One, it's a lottery. It's not the NFL draft. It's not the worst team automatically gets there. So even especially with the flat out odds, someone could always take a jump and you never know. Like if a team is a fringe playing team, someone gets hurt, they fall to seven eighth in the standings and they leap up in the in the lottery. Um, One thing is for sure. I don't think anyone who gets the more pick is going to be trading out. So I don't think this is a scenario where someone who doesn't usually fit the timeline, it, it gets the first pick because I'm looking to move it. I, like, whoever gets one is – I'm very confident it's probably going to stay there. So, uh, I, it's, it's going to be one
2: uh, – now we're, we're so looking ahead,
1: but it's going to be one fascinating draft lottery. Uh,
2: I think sure. the best part, though, and what makes me so excited is, like, not that we were – this draft is different in terms of actually feeling concrete compared to last one, right? Um, but what makes it so interesting is that it could just really change so much and we, I don't want to say that we don't know because I, I, I am tired of seeing the draft as a crapshoot shit. Like, I, it really is starting to bug me. Like, I think it's just too dismissive of like teams actually fucking up on their own instead of saying like, you know, like, I don't know. This is a, we'll have to talk more about this off air because I have, I have <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, like this is just, I'm, I'm so excited for this year, man. I'm, um, I'm excited for another yeah. year potting together and getting to do this. Um, getting to track these guys is going to be really fun. Um, Jake, you want to close out on anything else? Are you good to go? No, it's it's a
1: big – I mean, this is our first 2023 content. I think me and you have been – as much as we had fun with 2022. Um,
2: We've been ready for 2023.
1: Looking, <laughs> we specifically took a two-week hiatus in the pod because I was like, Mark, I can't talk about the 2022 draft anymore. Like, we yeah. just had our last stream for four hours. I'm done um it was, hey man it was five but,
2: five hours so.
1: yeah even more to the point um 2023 is going to be incredibly fun and we are going to have a ton of content both written stuff I'm going to be posting stuff at Cerebro all fall we're going to be potting um all throughout the pre I guess that's the off season it's a real off season basketball no, no live games going on but always high school basketball always AAU basketball always field basketball to watch thankfully so yeah I guess for me um not really anything to plug except uh, it's AAU season. I'll be on the ground at Adidas and hopefully PGM in a couple of weeks to be scouting the next generation in 2024, or 2020 or not 2024, 20 uh, yeah, 2024 draft, 2025 draft. So it's just always always another year to look forward to.
2: Yeah, no same man. Uh I'm I'm getting on the grassroots grind now, which is been I love uh, it. I absolutely love exciting. it. Exciting minus uh minus the 3 a.m wake up to get ready for a flight but uh yeah it's been awesome i'm excited for more uh to everyone listening thank you for listening most importantly have a good rest of your day if you have not already be sure to rate and review us over on apple podcasts and spotify we want to hear from you and get your feedback have a good rest of your day